What about it this morning, church? Is, is life worth living? Spirits that we got with Him, the Holy Ghost, and all the promises in the Word of God, is life worth living? Worth getting up in the morning and saying, you know what? Hallelujah. I'm glad to be alive this morning, Lord. Not just for my own purpose and for my own reasons. What I can enjoy, what this earth has to offer me. What's underneath the sun. But oh God, that we can be an ambassador of yours. That we can look that devil straight in his face. That we can take on challenges, amen, of the world that we're in. Hallelujah. And be a representation, God, of your glory. And of your joy, unspeakable and full of glory. I'm a little concerned, amen. And I have been for a little while about where the absence of the joy of the Lord. And apostolic and Holy Ghost filled people. I tell you, the writer said it's joy unspeakable, full of glory. And it's no different even on a Sunday morning. They ought to be an expression of the glory in our lives. Hallelujah. As we come together and worship Him, magnify Him, and His presence shows up. It ought to light us up. There's nothing like it. Life is worth living. Because you know what? He holds the future. And if I walk according to His counsel, His voice, His word... We're going to be made victorious. We're going to be overcomers. <laughs> We're going to put the devil under our feet. We're going to crawl out of those pits. <laughs> Pitfalls of life sometime. But because he lives and he holds my tomorrow, I'm crawling out. He's going to give me the strength. He's going to give me the energy. He's going to give me what I need. Amen. Amen. To fulfill that call. And that touch of my life. Lord bless you today. God bless you. You may be seated. Classes. Let them go back. Had a good lesson today. Praise God. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Appreciate you coming. You meant to be a part of this. Sister Mallory, God bless you. It's good to see you. Amen. Christian family again. They're not, they're not guests. We, they're guests. But amen. Our visitors. Love them. Appreciate them coming and bringing those boys to the house of God. And place of worship and good to see each one of you amen on this Sunday morning to come and to worship and to magnify Jesus Christ and to feel after his heartbeat and to open our hearts our spirit our minds to the word of God and to the touch of the Lord in our lives here today my my living in a busy world we don't have to be as busy as they are we do it's our business we, we, we create it vessels of God's always always took time out for God that's right he's your God you're going to take out time for him I'll say that again if he's your God you'll take out time for him and what you take a time out for, he's your God. <laughs> Ooh, I'm glad to take out time for Jesus. How about you? I'm glad he took out time for me. Sometimes I didn't deserve it by no means whatsoever. But you know what? He lent an ear. I've never approached the Lord with, with earnestness and sincerity. And it didn't matter if it was in the middle of the day, four or five o'clock in the morning or at midnight. He always would show up. I've never felt like, you know, 
Man, God, I, what, what did I do? Did I distract you from something? <laughs> Never felt like uh, I'm coming, but really I'm not interested in you. No. Seemed like every time he showed up and was, and was glad to show up. He was glad to respond. Glad to step in. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was on a Sunday or a Monday or Wednesday or Saturday night. A lot of people say that's the world's night. The devil, they don't have a night. The devil's never created the first day. Neither's the world. They all belong to our creator, our way maker. Boy, I tell you, he loves us. Amen, he loves us. Loves us enough to raise up people and people in our lives and individuals to help us. Help us to be victorious. Help us to be overcomers. Anybody glad to be born in America? <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of you wake up after a while, maybe. Even America's facing some times of losing a lot of her liberty, freedom, her blessings. We really don't know what's going to be the outcome of some things that's going on. It may smooth over, I don't know, but it may not. <laughs> There's becoming more and more concerns about material things and having them in our hands. And whenever we have want of them or need of them. But they could be sometimes ahead of us that all of a sudden not just our wants won't be there, but our needs. It's a lot closer than what we might think it could happen. I realize we live in America and we've been blessed and thank God for it. Thank God for it. I have no regrets. I don't, I don't, I've never had a desire to be born in any other country. I don't have no desire that. Man. Visit them. Pray for them. And even as what we think of our leadership... I thank God that we had some leaders that founded this nation upon some principles. Man, in this book. Loved it. They respect it. And they, they, they lived their lives and tried to set up this nation on some principles that you find here. Some commandments and doctrines. And so I, I believe that's the reason this country's been so blessed. We're not ashamed to be called a Christian nation. We're not ashamed, amen, what the Bible's instructed us and how to live and how to live an overcoming life. Not ashamed to be tongue talkers and shouters and dressing godly and talking godly. We're not ashamed of none of this. Amen. For even you and I are for such a time as this. Born and placed here, not only with the the birth, the citizen birth of the United States and, and being a born as American man, but born into the church, born into the church of the living God. Uh, this, this apostolic doctrine, born as, as Jesus instructed a man. Then the word of God, John's writings into us. And uh, man, help us understand you must be born again of the water and the spirit. You're going to see this kingdom. You're going to enter to this kingdom. And, and the 
we've drank from a fountain, amen, that brings satisfaction that you can't find any other place. Man, everything else, it won't do it. It won't bring satisfaction. It won't bring that contentment. It just won't do it. Hallelujah. And so here we are, amen. And um, as you look into this lesson and we read about Esther, we read about her courage and her willingness. And thank God, amen, I believe there's a vast difference between the two characters and the different characters we're going to talk about here today. But I think if we're not careful, we might miss some things that, that Esther's taught us and left us as an example, even in the Old Testament. And even though the debate of whether or not Esther should be in the Bible or not should have been a part of the, the canopy, should have been a part, amen, because the lack of... Of, of the name God's mentioned and things of that nature. And so there's no doubt probably debates after debates over this particular book. But yet this book has taught so much to us. It's left us with such a great example. How God, how God will supply. How God will, his sovereign power and how he can work behind the scenes and how he can orchestrate and set things up and it's actually another book that demonstrates the powers of the two of good and evil and the desire of the evil and the passion of the evil to destroy not necessarily a man yes he wants to destroy everybody but especially God's people God's chosen people man and that's not just the Jews now but since Man, the church, the coming of the Messiah and Jesus Christ, it's whosoever will that cast their lot with him and had an ear to hear the gospel and obey it. When you really hear it, that means you obey it. You respond to it. You begin to take on actions. That's how we know by faith, by faith. You can read in Hebrews 11 chapter, the framing of the world, the actions of the, every character in there. It was by their actions, amen, by their response. And even at the very end of that chapter, we can see by their response, their actions that they took, amen, of not surrendering and not giving up. But they, they gained a good report by faith, amen, when they would not compromise, amen, but stayed with truth and stayed with the faith of God. This battle's been around, amen, since the garden. This, this battle, it's an individual battle. In the beginning of time, God tried to deal with the whole world. And the whole world kept the man going and falling away. And then, so then he started with the Hebrews and the ears of light. And you, you know all that. And it leads. And so even here with Esther, we're going to notice a man, this, this particular uh, lady, young lady, a man just brought in on the scene. And uh, how it's written about her. Not real sure exactly who even wrote the book and recorded this. No doubt one of the uh, Jewish people of that time, amen, during the Babylonian. This is during some on the latter end of the Babylonian time of 70 years, of spending 70 years in Babylon. Uh, if you read the lesson, you'll see, and you'll see where he talks about even Daniel. They feel like at this point in time had died in his 80s, amen. But he wasn't around by the time of Esther. And so in, in some sense, uh, Mordecai and Esther and the Jewish people of that particular city and region under the kingship here, a man was along. And so they're, uh, they're a way of escape, their way of deliverance. 
It was going to depend on somebody that was willing to intercede. Somebody that was willing, amen, to take the chance. Somebody that was willing to say, amen, I'm willing to die. And you know what? For you and I both to be saved, we've got to be willing to die. That's, 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 a, that's a twofold there. You and I got to be willing to die, amen, in the spiritual realm. That's what repentance is all about. If we're going to really live for God, if we're really going to conquer the spirit of this world, the spirit of iniquity, and all the lying tongues, amen, you and I have got to die out to self and to who we are and what we are. And we got to stay in that condition. We got to stay in that place. And that's, that's easier said than done. Since you're living in an earthen vessel and you've got to deal with spirits and you've got to deal with attitudes and you've got to deal, amen, with the devil and you've got to deal with the spirits of the world and you've got to deal with opinions of humanity and how to be saved and what, who's the door and what it takes to be saved and how to live an overcoming life. And, and I'm, those have increased in our time of information where you said a punch of a button, you, you can get all type of information, all different types of opinions and and all these can affect us because it depends on who we lend our ear to. It depends on what's, what really the, what the passion we have as this, this fleshly man of who we are. Uh, you really don't know what's inside this individual. You really don't know what's inside this earthen vessel. Amen. You really don't know until it's tempted, until it's tried. I know people say sometimes I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. And, I had a little incident. It wasn't big, but but and I kept it to myself. I didn't even make a big deal out of it. Not going to, but uh, the individual talking about they, this and that. And they weren't going to do this, and they just going to drink this in one time, and and they just going to be a week or two before they drink another because they're bad for your health. And and uh, you know it wasn't no time. I, I seen them drinking another one. <laughs> Praise God. I didn't say a word. I mean, you know, we, we can puff ourselves up and brag on ourselves of what we're not, not going to do and how, what direction we're going to take. But I'm here to tell you until the fire stuck to us. Amen. Until the moment the time comes, amen, that we take on the challenge. We're really not sure. That's the reason we got to have God. We've got to have the anointing of God, the help of God. Because it's really not in us, but that God puts something in us. Hallelujah. That Peter, amen, that had a problem standing for Jesus and, and witness for him. But I after he was introduced to the Holy Ghost and after receiving the power of the Holy Ghost he didn't have no problem, amen, facing amen, the most highest authority people of his day and time and telling them about this Jesus and telling them about the Holy Ghost and the power and even they couldn't deny the fact that they'd been with Jesus. They knew that his, his response and his, his attitude had changed from, from what he was just a few days before. <laughs> Woo! That's what church is all about. Even on a Sunday morning, anytime we come encounters with God Almighty and His Word and His presence, we ought to leave different. But that's not the only thing. God help me that when I come back, I come back different. I come back with that same kind of expectation. I come back with that kind of uh, that hunger and thirst to worship and to call on Him and to believe. Hallelujah, that God's going to walk in this house and, and God's going to help somebody. Hallelujah, I, I want to come to help. I want to come and be a part of it and be involved in it. Amen. I didn't spend all my effort and all my energies in the last six days out there in the world. Oh, I reserved some energy and some, some time. And when I come back to the house of God, I can worship Him and I can call on His name. And, and join with my brothers and sisters and, and watch people be healed and watch people find deliverance. It's more in this lesson than what you think it is. 
It's all about interceding. That's what that prayer room's all about, Aunt Johnny. It's interceding and getting hold of God before we ever walk in this place. Getting the heartbeat and the mind of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon us. And when we walk in this place, it just explodes. Do you see that in this lesson? She didn't, with, with all of her beauty, I don't get ahead of myself, so here we go. Focus thought. God has called us to work. God has called us to work. We're not on a welfare program. Church is not a welfare program. That's where a lot of people looks at God. That's where a lot of people looks at the church. They look at it for, as a resource to pay the bills that they don't want to pay. Please don't be offended here. I'm, I feel something on me. It could be dangerous. And I, I don't want to be. I'm not out to offend. I'm not out to hurt. And, but but uh, if our own nation here is creating a generation. They got money to buy their party stuff. And they got money to do this and go places. But they want the church to pay what they don't want to pay. They want the church, amen, to buy this and pay for that. And I won't name none of it because it may offend some. Because I, that's, not, that, that's not what I'm after here. Man, what I'm after is, amen, but when you make God your God. I'm telling you, there's some promises in this book. You'll never be the one begging for bread. Hallelujah. You'll never be the one that just surviving, just getting by all the time. Oh, yeah, there's caves and things of that nature. But I'm here to tell you, when you sell out to God, I'm telling you, God will bless you when that you ain't never been blessed. God can open doors and close doors and work for you like no other God because there is no other God here's the key to all of that we got to make sure we keep him I'm telling you right now I'd rather God take everything away from me that's what it takes to keep God as God in my life it's a dangerous thing to be so blessed I can show you an Old Testament every time God blessed those Israelites and they got more in abundance they backslid they began to worship other gods and idols and They'd even pay people. Cut down trees. Fashion them. And mold them. They'd pick them up. Carry them with them like gods. After experiencing this almighty God. The pillar of fire and cloud. So I know this, this is a loose term. It's a loose term. I'm a Christian. Looks like a devil. Acts like a devil. Runs with devils. Oh God, I'm, I'm tell you some moments morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I'm telling you, and, and, and if we're not careful, the religious world of this nation here gobbles them up. Say, uh, you, you don't have nobody to judge nobody. I didn't judge them, but this did. And I have the obligation to tell you what's in this and preach it to you. Because without a preacher, we can't be saved. Without a man of God standing in the pulpit or somebody interceding, I tell you, we can have a lost society. But I'm telling you, we can get an Esther spirit and we get an attitude about us. Oh God, I'm going to intercede for them. I'm going to pray for them day and night. I'm going to bombard heaven. I'm going to lift their names up before you. This God can make a difference in their lives. They don't have to go to a devil's hell. I'm going to go a step further than that. They don't have to live in this life in that condition for the rest of their lives either. 
You don't have to be a drug addict all your life. <laughs> so, so as we watch this, to work in the kingdom for such a time. What did Jesus say? What did he tell his disciples? When he made it a point to be at that well, at Jacob's well. Witnessing to a little lady that would come in the middle of the day because she couldn't come when everybody else was coming. Because of her lifestyle and the stares and the looks. The mockeries, the remarks. Sometimes you don't have to say a word. But you can just roll your eyes. I could be in that same condition if it hadn't been his grace and mercy and compassion. Time and time and time again, I could have failed myself in the same snares and traps. But God, you've been graceful to me. You've been merciful to me. I don't deserve to stand behind this pulpit. It's not my righteousness. It's not my goodness. It's not my own power and ability. It's nothing but the goodness of God. And somehow if we can portray that, somehow if we can persuade them, why did you think Paul reached the point finally? <laughs> Chief of sinners. And if he can save me, he can save anybody. This God can. So, you look at your focus verse in Esther 4 and 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. This, this, this is not a time to hold our peace. Yep. It's not a time that because we feel that we're in a place of safety. That we feel like, hey, I'm in the church. I got the Holy Ghost. I ain't, I ain't worried about if we sing or not. I ain't worried about if we pray or not. I ain't wor- you're not careful. Those actions says you're in a backslid condition. I'm going to tell you something. Backslid church can't gonna save very many people. I'm gonna be blunt right here. The religion of the United States of America is backslid and undone. And they can they can do whatever they want to with that. Say what they want to about me. But I'm telling you, because they have failed to preach about the Holy Ghost and rightly divide the word of truth. The so-called religious, religion nation. That's the reason we're having so much havoc and so much trouble even in the White House. If we could just pull some of our old denominations back for about 50 years, we'd all be shocked at how much we looked alike and worshipped alike. It wouldn't be near as far apart as she is now. But I'm telling you, it had to happen because they wouldn't buy into the fullness of this one God message. You can't believe in Trinity and please God. It's not three persons in the Godhead. It's one person. One man. One throne. One God. The Almighty God. The Everlasting. There is no other God. Fullness of God is in this man called Jesus. It's in the book. This trumps everything else. And so, as we watch this lesson, we, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement, which basically means relief, 
and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. That, that statement, thy father's house. Huh. Well, there's some things about Esther. I hope the Lord will help me here today to, to bring out about her. She could have quickly responded to Mordecai. And I believe she loved him as a dad. I believe she reverenced him and respected him as a dad, even though he was only a first cousin. But he had took her in. I'm not sure what age. But I have an idea of very young. Possibly two, three years old. And he cared for her as his own daughter. But that was his uncle's daughter. But you can see the hand of God. The hand of God working in times we don't even realize it's working. God positioning and setting things in position and place. Now, if you listen to our world today, they would say, boy, Esther didn't have much of a chance. Her mom and dad got killed or died or whatever. And right there, she could get an attitude toward God. And if you listen to the lying tongues of this world, amen, that's what they'll tell you. You got to write that, that way. You're raising that atmosphere and you're done like that. No, no, not whenever all of a sudden you begin to hear about a man by the name of Jesus. And you start experiencing a power called the Holy Ghost. We become a new creation. New creator in us that starts molding and shaping us and working with us. To make us who he desires us to be. But I believe that no doubt that Esther was put in the hands of Mordecai. Mordecai was a man that loved God. Man would hold on to the commandments and the statutes and the principles at whatever cost. You see, God knew at that moment in time what was going to come down the road. What was going to happen. So we can see here. She could have easily jumped on that bandwagon about the father's house. But even Mordecai here, what, what was he really letting her know? It's your people. It's the Jews. Huh. Help her to understand that we're all one. And all of them out there is just as important as though that was your own mom and daddy. Well, if that spirit can get a hold of us, it can stay a hold of us. You know why this nation won some battles she won? Number one, and I make mention all the time, we didn't get here by ourselves. God was with us. That was number one. Number two is because whenever this nation went to war, buddy, everybody got on board. It didn't matter who they were, what color of their skin they was, or anything like that. When they went to a world war, they went with everything they got and had. Now, wars has caused us some problems. Because it's in these world wars that messed up our ladies. Pulled them out of their homes. Put man's apparel on them. Put them out in the workforces. And they never come back home. So... As you watch these events, things happen. It's up to us as individuals 
What's going to be the real outcome? And what kind of effect it's going to have on us? So as we get into this lesson here today, I, I, I'm going to bypass some of that. You can go back and read your lesson. If you hadn't, please go back and read it. But let me just take for a little while here this morning as we observe this. And um, I want to talk about to begin with, and I've mentioned already several times, and the night chapter sealed this, and maybe we'll get there, uh, to, to, to intercede, to have someone interceding for you. I want to give you a few scriptures to start with this morning about Jesus Christ and what he's doing for us even as I talk to you this morning. Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah 53. We know the 53rd chapter. Isaiah is a chapter of a Messiah. The price he paid. The penalty. A man bruised iniquity. All of that. But I'm just going to read one verse in your hearing this morning. Isaiah 53 and 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion. Talking about the Messiah. Talking about Jesus Christ. With the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He has numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. This is what he done. But he was willing to share it. He's willing to. And so here we are. Here we are at this point. This time in our lives. Uh, the factors of weighing things out. In the business world, they look at it, you have what they call benefits, and then you have what is cost. And so, here's the key to be successful, and here's the key to become rich. is to be able to offer benefits and great benefits at little and no cost. The last time you went somewhere and they had it on sale or whatever, something that was $50 and all of a sudden they put it on sale for $5. You'd never buy it for $50. But now you're going to tame it, receive it, and receive the benefits of it because it only costs you $5. You'd be shocked of how many people, when they hear the gospel and hear about Jesus Christ, immediately, this is the same type of spirit and attitude. Is it worth the cost? Benefits of living for God. The benefits of separating yourself. The benefits of taking on the demonical forces and the powers of evil. And you can't be a Holy Ghost filled pure person and not be engaged in some of that. It's impossible. You may not recognize it. You may not realize it. But it's happening. If you're walking in the Holy Ghost, if you're being led by the Spirit of God, if you're, you're going to be raptured ready, there's some warfare going on. And so sometimes, that's the reason Jesus warned us. He said, you start to build a tower. He said, a wise man would do what? He'd sit down first and add up the cost. It's better not to even lay the foundation if you don't have the mind made up and the resources to finish the project. You know what a part of that foundation is? One's believing. But part of it's repentance. Baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's the foundation work. 
It's the very basic. But watch this. Some projects, there's as much money put into the foundation as everything else. If you believe, if you believe that it's going to hold up. I kind of mean them down yonder. If it had been built on the right foundation and right procedures taking place, they wouldn't have a hundred and something people trying to dig him out of that rubble. That's the reason Jesus told us. He said, a wise man's going to dig down and get on a rock. A rock that's been proven. A rock that can stand the storms. A rock that can stand the erosion. Let me ask you something, ladies and gentlemen, this morning. Has a devil made any kind of erosions in the apostolic church? And so you and I as individuals got to make up our own minds at heart and spirit. But he's not in me. I know what this Bible says. I know what my walk with God. And you know what? <laughs> I waited out a long time ago. The benefits is worth the cost. Regardless of how much it cost me. And our apostles left us an example. Even if it cost us our life. Literally. If we had to shed our own blood for this, we'll do it. You know what makes this nation so powerful? Because we got men and women that's willing to shed their blood for this nation. To keep its liberty and freedom. But if we're not careful. We're going to let some political leaders. Get in positions and places. Such as a Haman. That's true in the political realm of this nation. And it's also true in the church itself. So, as we watch uh, this begin to unfold, take place, the first part of it. And um, I want to say, say a few things. You, you, you're probably not going to like this part. You, probably, you may even disagree with me. Huh. But fast I, you know the story. You know how that, that Hazarus, Zacharias, Emmanuel, some called him... That he had he had thrown a, it wasn't just a party, man. It was it was it was out there. They had done spent. He had been with with his, and he had called them all in. All everybody that was somebody, they was invited. They was there, amen. And now they had done reached the place of the seventh day of drinking wine. Go back and read it closely. You're gonna notice the Bible says it was royal wine. It wasn't just wine. The difference between the two is wine that belonged to the poor and to those that not with the, the income ability as the king would mix their wine. They would have half water and half wine. But whenever the scriptures calls it royal wine, there was no mixture. It was of the best, of the sweetest. And now they had been under this influence of wine, the king and his great host for seven days. The Bible says that the king's heart becomes merry. And under this influence, and again, we see, we see this. That's the reason the Bible's told us about giving ourselves over to these things. Your judgment, your ability to reason, it influences it, it affects it, and it can't be the same. And so, even at this, he calls for festa. He had done displayed all of his glamour. 
all of his beauty. He had taken them and showed them. And, and they were just astounded. He was showing his, his, his handiwork. He was showing his power. And his, I mean, but, but you know what? He wanted to top that off. He wanted to top that off. And it was none like Vestai. Now she was in a, the king's house. And at the same time that he had been with all the princes and all the, the great hosts he had called, she was with the ladies. And they was partying and they was, she was displaying. The king said, called his seven chamberlain to him and requested for her to come. Now if you'll read some of that close, boy, I'll tell you I'm digging somewhere we don't like. You know why? Because this nation... Has founded itself and built billions and billions of dollars off of sex. So that's 90 some percent of even if we're not careful. That's where we're headed already. If you read it close enough. You're going to see that even the beds. They was more. They was like couches. And that's how they, they, they served around their tables, their chairs. And that's recliners, actually, is what they would call them. And so he wanted to top it off, a man, to bring his bride, the queen, off. There's more tie to this. You watch this. So she refused. And in one sense, we understand that. But on the other hand. got to obey the king. Sometimes the kings ask us to do things that we really don't want to do. But we're obligated to the king. Now watch. Chamberlain, whenever they it happened and it folded, watch what's, what's their response is. It wasn't because of a lot of times what we think of as in that form, that beauty, that in that Barbie doll stuff. Can I put it that way, ladies? Huh. But the chamber said, hey, rebellion. And even in this king, in this region, we've got to deal with this spirit of rebellion. Because if we let this slide, if we let this go, said from the least, Wives will start rejecting and refusing and rebelling to doing what they're called on to do. What's one of the biggest struggles we got right now in the United States of America? What's one of the biggest struggles is in the church. Why do we have so many denominations and so many splits and so many different ideas and opinions of how to be saved? There is a spirit called rebellion. So as I move from that, we get into the lesson and we get to Esther. And uh, we get to this point in place and time because they come up with the idea we're going to find a virgin. We're going to find one that's beautiful. It's, it's, and so Esther, amen. Now Mordecai begins to instruct her and inform her and tell her certain things not to let your identity to be made known. 
And uh, so she, she obeys. And I, I want to bring some of that out as we go through this, as, as we watch it unfold. And, and so as you watch some of this, as it happens here, and, and I done mentioned, go back and read the first part. Even the writer talks about how the, with Daniel and how that they was probably all alone and they remained by themselves as they was the only Jews that remained of the Persian, amen, at this point, at this time, under the Persian leadership and, and all. And so even in this particular city and the regions outside, amen, there was Jews, there was Jews, but, uh, but they didn't have a prophet. They didn't have a, a man of God. And, you know, they had Mordecai, amen. And so we've got to watch Mordecai as he, he's no doubt older. I'm not real sure how old, but yet he's older and he, he's going to play a very important role. And so he's, uh, uh, Esther is one of the young ladies is picked, amen, because she was beautiful. And if you remember one time, I preached a message on that. Uh, you know, some, you know th this type of beauty, you didn't earn it. You know, you're just born with it. God blessed you with it. Amen. Same way with talents and gifts and things of that nature. That's the reason we, you and I have to be careful what God's blessed us with. That we never let pride like, like Lucifer get a hold of us. And we got an ability, God, to teach or ability to preach or ability to sing or ability, whatever it might be. We got to understand, amen. We didn't earn this. We didn't know, know that we can help perfect it and cultivate it and mold it and shape it. That's what sitting at the feet of the male and doing things of that nature and coming to the house of God and reading the word of God and praying. That's what all that, but but all said and done, if it's somebody's talent and gifted, hey man, hey man, I'm telling you, it's God given. So likewise with this, and we understand that Esther, she was one of many that had been chosen for this task and for this purpose to bring back a man. So because Vastai was put away, and to never, but watch what it says. She was never to come before the king again. Never allowed to come into his presence again. Hmm. That would be a horrible place to be. For our own king to finally reach a place that he has to put us out. Put us away from him and never, ever have the opportunity to come back into his presence again. It doesn't matter how much we pray. It doesn't matter how much we fast. It doesn't matter how much we, we try. When God closes that door, when he closed that door on that ark that day, nobody else could get in. It was a done deal. That's the reason God didn't let Noah close the door. God closed it. And Noah waited on them seven days. Okay. Same way with the church. As much as the church, how powerful and full of grace and mercy. No, God, we know it is. We've experienced it. We know it. But I'm telling you, we're living in a world today that's trampling the grace of God and Jesus Christ. As they continue to walk in ungodliness in darkness. and darkness. But they'll tell you what I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. The grace of God. I've had him tell me that. The real grace of God. You know what the real grace of God does? It teaches us how to live godly lives in this ungodly world. To find a help and a strength to overcome those things. And to put them under our feet. So Esther here. 
she's called upon and she's began to be instructed and I won't take all the time I'd love to just maybe take the Bible and try to go through all of it but but Lord knows I, I just can't do that but but as we watch it here you're going to notice something's very important about Esther with her beauty and her ability she never allowed a spirit of pride or of arrogance or of her position cause her to arrive into a place that I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to do what you say. You're just an old man in my past now. I'm the queen. If anybody can survive through this, I can. If anybody's protected, it's, it's, I'm in the palace. That spirit, you don't see it in her. I believe you're going to notice. She watched through the scriptures. And Lord knows I, I didn't get to. I, I'm, I'm trying to get there. To serve. You're going to see something in Esther. That even after becoming from that place and into that position. She had a spirit to serve. She was willing to obey the chamberlain that was put over her. One that would instruct her and give her guidance. She was willing to listen to Mordecai. When Mordecai instructed her about things, she obeyed it. She didn't question it. She didn't pond. She, didn't, she, she just obeyed. She believed that Mordecai knew what's what was best. Mordecai didn't leave her, but if you read it closely, he walked after she was carried into the house. Now, this, now there's a second thing we need to learn about her. Esther was patient. <laughs> Two, six months it worked hand in hand. She was in the house making preparation to go before the king. Never had an opportunity to go before the king until after. Twelve months of preparation. Certain oils and perfumes and things took place. But immediately Esther finds favor in the chamberlain. If you read it closer. He positions her and her seven servants in the, in the, fa the best place of the house. Hmm. Don't ever underestimate the favor of God in our lives. Don't ever take the credit of where you at and where I'm at. Amen. This is something we've done. No. It's been the favor of God. It's got me here. And so, in that situation, she would listen. She'd obey. And whatever, he instructed her. Because you know why? Nobody knew the king better than he did. Nobody knew what would please the king better than he did. Why do you think God give a five-fold ministry? For the perfecting of the saints. And the edifying of the body. I know. I know we're living in a world. Between Hollywood and, and things that's happened. The decay and the rottenness. Amen. Of authority and leadership. Amen. Has come crumbling down. But it still don't change the fact. What God set up a work. If we'll humble ourselves. And yield ourselves to it. And put our trust in God. And so as time lingers now, while all that's taking place, Mordecai, 
He's walking before the gate of the house, always keeping an eye on Esther, always making sure what's going on in Esther's life and what's transpiring. But in doing that, because he was at the king's gate, he heard of a couple of, of king doorkeepers, the Bible calls them. And, and because he hears that they are, they're setting up to kill the king, to assassinate him. And so he lets Esther know. Esther lets the king know. And it's, business is taken care of. But watch this. Again. We're living, we're living in a world today that if you don't hurry up and pat people on the back. And if you don't hurry up and blow trumpets. And you don't get flashing lights. People feel like it. God, but I beg the difference with you. God never, ever misses anything that you do. I might miss it. God won't. And you bank on one thing, he keeps a perfect record. And there'll be a moment and there'll be a time when that reward will come back. But God's got this thing and God's got a time. Nothing was ever done for Mordecai. In fact, Mordecai never mentions that he brought this to Esther's attention. Even after, watch this, Haman now. The king set up Haman. As his right-handed man. A man, a man with authority and power. You read your scriptures close enough. Heman was a descendant of the Amalekites. A descendant of the Amalekites. That in 1 Samuel's 15th chapter. That the man of God Samuel told Saul. To go and to annihilate. And destroy. To kill every suckling. Kill every child. Kill every man or woman it was. Kill every one of them. But Saul didn't do it. He didn't obey the man of God. Now generations down the road, we got this same spirit. We got this same, same descendant of people coming, rising back up and putting back into positions and places of authority and power. And God's people's got to face them again. So here's Mordecai now with a man called Haman. Set up. And all of a sudden, if you watch it closely, Haman's English, it's what's this? The devil's all about himself, am I right? He wasn't content and satisfied to be the most beautiful creation and creature that had ever been created. He wasn't content and satisfied that nobody could sing and make music and make melody and worship and bring worship to God like him. Nobody could touch him. He wasn't content with that. He wasn't satisfied with that. He finally reached a place that he said, I'm going to lift myself above God. And when he began to do that, immediately he was kicked out of the heavens. Because iniquity and the spirit of iniquity was found in Satan pride. And so now we watch this same process on the earth time and time again. Haman wasn't content and satisfied that just one man wouldn't bow down to him. Wouldn't show him reverence. Everybody else was. Finally, the keepers at the gate begin to probe even Mordecai. Say, hey, why don't you? Why don't you do this? Why don't you submit? Why don't you bow down? And finally, complain and find out that he was a Jew. You see, Haman in that position, in that place in pagan it was a type of deity. It was a type of a God. And they worshipped it in that form. It's all about our worship. When you go into your lesson, you're going to see. 
And the C part of the second part. Amen. The enemy wants our worship. That's the reason the world, the spirit of the world, and the musical world, and the ways and the fashions of the world, is constantly trying to embark and make inroads even to the church in how we worship. Start to refashion it. I'm still a little. I'm, I'm gonna bypass that right now. There'll be another day. Haman's initial complaint. Here's how the writer put it: Against Mordecai was that he would not bow or pay homage to him. This lack of respect. May seem like a small thing. But to one like Haman. It was not. He wanted to receive. The veneration. In other words. He wanted to receive the respect. He wanted to see the reverence. That only belongs to God. I understand. Boy, I'm going to do my best. To try to balance this right here. I know the Bible says. Give tribute to whose tribute. And honor to honor and all that, okay. But you know what? It really wouldn't bother me if anybody ever graces this pulpit, leading service or any other time, that they wouldn't say nothing about me. Because when we come here, we're here for one reason, and that's to worship and reverence and call on and get a move of the Almighty God. I understand that. I'm not, please understand where I'm trying to come from here. Because really that's all that matters. If we can get Jesus to walk up and down these aisles, folks. Every service. Every service. We can't afford to miss not one service, folks. And we come with that kind of awe and that kind of reverence and that kind of hunger and thirst. And we understand that each one of us plays a part of interceding and creating the atmosphere. And creating the place for it to happen. Because each one of us is joined together as the body of Christ. To reverence and call on the head and authority of the head. But I'm telling you, it doesn't take near as much as people think. To offend and grieve the spirit of God. And even the body itself can do it. Mordecai wouldn't bow. He wouldn't submit. He wouldn't yield. He wouldn't crumble. I'd take you back to Daniel. I'd take you back to three Hebrews. Nebuchadnezzar built a statue. Wasn't just like the dream he'd had prior. But you see the difference between pagan kings and us. They don't have no problem worshiping with us, our God. But they want us to worship their gods. And they want us to worship like they worship. And we can't do it. Because we only believe in one God. And we only believe in true worship. And that's not worshiping flesh or man. That's worshiping. The Bible said God shares his glory with no flesh. And you get an old-fashioned moving of the glory of God in this house. I'm telling you, we'd all be shocked. 
but we leave here different. We leave here with a step. We leave here not, not with pride of man, but with a godly pride. Looking that devil in the eye and saying, devil, I'm telling you, you're going down. Hallelujah. You're not going to win. You're not going to defeat me. Hallelujah. We're not just a church just getting by. We're not part of a kingdom. Amen. It might survive. We're not a part of a kingdom that's going to be put out or defeated. I beg the difference with you. I'm in a part of a kingdom and experience a kingdom and a life inside of me. Amen. And even when death grips this body, it's going to live again. Though you slay me yet when I see you. But to keep that, the worship's got to stay right. We sing unto the Lord. We, we pray unto the Lord. And our worship, our music, our praying. That's what this is all about. It's, it's about... Watch what he says here. The enemy seeks worship. Often he will settle for God's people, not giving God the worship he deserves. If I can't get you to bow, maybe I can just maybe I can just persuade you just to let everybody else clap their hands. Not everybody else get up early enough to get to church. And I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm, I really am not. But all of this is worship. All of this comes. I'm going to tell you a scripture that's been working on me lately. <laughs> Paul's writings and his father's right behind forgiveness. But he says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Let's don't be ignorant. I know we look in dark, a darkly class, but we're not blind. There's a difference. People of this world, the Bible says the devil has blinded them. They're not even looking through a darkly class. They don't have a clue. But we're looking through a darkly we can't see it all like we'd like to see it sometimes. But we see it well enough to know what direction to take. And where to stand until the, until the light illuminates the next step. And it's sure not backing up and picking up bigger elements. Or allowing the worship to enter in that, that, that's fashioned by the world. YouTube. Couldn't get us with television so they're going to try with YouTube. Well, I'm <laughs> Can I ask y'all a question this morning? Uh, it may have should have been some other time. Can I ask us a question this morning? Uh, the question was asked. The Holy Ghost asked me. I hope I don't offend nobody out there in the, in the highways and the byways. How many of you listen to Baptist preachers on a regular basis? How many of you listen to Catholic preachers on a regular basis? Presbyterians. How many of you listen to musicians and singers? That's from the Baptist doctrine. And contemporary. And good old Southern. How many of them has got the Holy Ghost? We listen to them left and right and don't think nothing of it. But you wouldn't listen to it, they're preachers. But let me ask you something. 
who's creating the atmosphere and what spirit's driving them. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling all folks, we got to get awake. I'm telling you, we're becoming blinded and, and we're allowing things in. But I'm telling you, God's going to help us in Bendale, Mississippi. I want a God revival, not a man's revival. I'm not against none of them. But I'm telling you, I still believe that you got to have the Holy Ghost. And not only have the Holy Ghost, you got to be led by the Holy Ghost and anointed by the Holy Ghost. If you're going to beat the spirit of iniquity, we must be under the power and influence of the Holy Ghost. That's the only chance we got. Oh, it's not a. I'm sorry. We can't tear the walls down and the movie's over. Everybody gets up, brush yourself off, get your ketchup off of them. Everybody picks itself up. Nobody died. Nobody. Uh-uh. This thing's real. We're not just trying to get from one day to the next and from one service to the next. We're trying to go to heaven. We're trying to be a part of eternity. And every service makes a difference. If I'm going to make it and if you're going to make it. So here they are. They're facing a situation. They're facing a moment in time. And um, you know Mordecai, the letter comes out, Haman, because... Because his anger toward Mordecai reached a place that it became against the Jews. There's a spirit there. Okay? Now, I'll just do away with all of them. Now we see why Mordecai told Esther, don't tell them who you are. Don't tell them your identity. You just keep that to yourself. God's got a time. God's got a place. And you know what? God can, amen, put us in places. Amen. And when he puts us there, there is a real reason. And it's really not about us. It's about... And that's the reason these immortal words that Esther tells her. As you watch it unfold. Think not within thyself. Because watch it. She tried her best. She sent the messenger back and forth. And she finds out that he's in sackcloth. And, and all that's going on is at the king's gate. And he's not supposed to be there. And all this has happened. And she loved him. She didn't want to see him in sackcloth. None of us want to see our loved ones in sackcloth. None of us want to see them in, in fasting and praying. And in turmoil. And, and like the answer, she's still trying to find out what's going on. What's happening. Because she had been protected. And she didn't really know what was going on. But now all of a sudden the messenger sit down. And, and he gets with Mordecai. Because he was about. He's in sackcloth, and so he sends the word back to her what's going on in the decree that's been signed, and how all the Jews is going to be annihilated, and it's done been a set up a time on this 12th month of this year. Amen. All across our region, all across our city, they're going to wipe all the Jews out, take all their belongings. You got to remember something. The law that's signed under these could not be, could be stopped once it was sealed with the king's ring. And even Haman had come to the place. I'm willing to put in the treasure to pay for this. The devil don't mind one bit giving folks piles of money and piles of this and that. If you just won't use your talents and worship Jesus Christ. How many is a thief told out of the apostolic churches? How many musicians and singers has been stolen out of the apostolic church to go out there and make money? And 
But God just keeps pulling us out, though, don't he? God just keeps pulling out of the dirt piles. God just keeps showing his mercy and grace and saying, you know what? I'm going to have a church. God's going to have a church. There's going to be a remnant. There's going to be a some. There's going to be some esters. Amen. And says, you know what? And you know what? That's the attitude and the spirit you and I've got to get. In Bendale, Mississippi, we're going to intercede for them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to believe. Amen. We're going to have a church here. When they get ready, if they ever get ready, there'll be a church here. I'm going to tell you something. If there's not a church, nobody can be saved. There's got to be a church. Church. So, man, I know I got a ways to go here, and it's eleven thirty. I know, but so as it unfolds here, then we know that Mordecai refuses to take the garment. She's him, sends him, but he wouldn't do it. So she says, "Hey, it's okay." I say, "You what?" I said, "You get all the Jews, Jews, and Shushan, which is the city that was in." He said, and the chamberlains and myself for three days and three nights. A lot of you fast. A lot of times you went from six to six. Believe it or not, that was a day of fasting. But here, they went a step further. Three days and three nights. No food, no water, nothing. We'll prepare ourselves. And if I die... I die. Time will happen this morning, but sometime maybe later on. Watch it. Once she goes through that, and she makes her way, we know the story, she makes her way into the king. Notice where she goes before the king. She does not stop in the outer court. That was the difference. She went all the way into the inner court. But stepping into that inner court without the king's permission meant death if he didn't extend the, the golden scepter. You was dead. And she hadn't been called on for 30 days. Well, I'd love to say something here, but it'd be just a little too. Queens, I'm going to put it this way. Queens were not the normal wife. Kings had concubines. Is that plain enough? Well, I hope somebody can pick up on some of this. Because you know what? If we're not careful, our own mind becomes so on that other. So what do we see? I see a lady with all the beauty. And the favor and call of God upon her. She never gets to a point that she's not willing to obey and submit herself, even if it costs her her life. Where Vasta says, I'm not coming. Esther says, I'm going. If it costs us my life, I'm going to obey. I'm going to submit. I'm going to yield. Come on, church. We're the church. And if we're not willing to sacrifice, if we're not willing to obey, we can't expect our Heavenly Father to perform the miracles and wonders and signs and work on our behalf. But if we'll do our part as obedience, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's all about obedience. You say what you want to about this preacher and about some of my old fuddy dud ways. But I'm telling you, obedience is better because the devil's trying to slip in. And it's just little snakes and little serpents and little bitty things. But it's a little fox and say, man, that destroys a vine. It's a little 
little things, amen, that six, six years down the road, it becomes a big deal. It's all about worship and who we worship and how we worship. Is it really that big a deal? Ask Cain. Ask Abel if it's that big a deal or not. It's a big deal. It's life and death. Life and death lies in your worship. You quit worshiping him. You quit praising him. You shut him down in your life. Whatever we yield ourselves, and I didn't make it there. Romans, the sixth chapter, is in your lesson. <laughs> who and what we yield ourselves as servants is who becomes our master. Whatever it is, whatever it is. I love to tell you, well, you're not, no. It's God called, God's chosen people, peculiar people. It's going to be a battle to the day you leave here. You hear me? It's going to be a struggle to the day you leave here. But you and I have got to make up in our minds. We're going to be the intercessors. And God wants us to be. We're going to do it. And so sure enough, when he finds out who's in that inner chamber, it's Esther. He stands at gold and says, now watch this. Watch this. She didn't come, she don't come running up and, and just blab it all out. And No, no, the setting's not right. The timing's not right yet. She can't come blabbing into the king who Haman ends up. No, it ain't all been arranged yet. Now, Haman already had some gallows built for Mordecai. He done been back home and talking about boo-hoo and crying, but stuck it on his thumb because. Huh. She says, Hey, I want to invite you. Boy, it's amazing to invite the king and the devil. The same banquet. And even at the first banquet, she didn't make a request. After the first, she says, I got another and a better one tomorrow. And guess who couldn't sleep that night? Boy, Haman was bragging and bragging. Boy, boy, he was it. He was bragging about who, you know, who he's going to do and what he's going to do, all this other stuff. But guess who couldn't sleep that night? The king. Hashers couldn't sleep. He said, hey, bring, bring some records. <laughs> Somebody had just had to jot down what Mordecai had done when he read it to the king. The king said, hey, has there been anything done for Mordecai? No, sir. Sure hadn't. Really? Well, I don't. Guess who entered the court? The outer court, not the inner court. Haman entered the outer court. I'm going to preach on that. We got too many people just want to stay on the outer court and not get in the inner court. But if you want the love of God and the power of God and the presence of God, you've got to make your way to the inner court. I'll preach on that sometime. Who's in the court? Who's in the court? Well, that's Haman. Hey, 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 come up here, man. He said, let me ask you something, man. What would you do for somebody you wanted to honor? And immediately, that old pride, that self, was thinking about self. Immediately, he began to think, oh, he couldn't think of nobody better he could honor than me. I'm the man, man. I'm the one. Boy, he began to think about it. He said, I'll tell you what. King said, why don't you take those royal uh, garments you got and your crown and put it on him and, and get your, your horse and, your, and put him up on it and, and parade him through the city. King looks at him and said, okay, Haman. He said, I want you to go down there and get Mordecai and do just that very thing. Uh, 
If we'll worship and stay true to God, I'm telling you the devil eat crow. I'm telling you the devil will eat crow. But you got to make up in your own mind, heart, and spirit. I'm going to live for God if it costs me everything. Heavenly, because I know what the benefits are. If it costs me this or costs me that, you got to weigh out the cost. And the benefits far outweigh the cost. But if you listen to carnality and you listen to the devil and you listen to the world, I'm telling you they'll always talk you out of it. But I'm not interested in being talking out of it. I'm interested in being preached into it. Sure enough, you could just see the blood run out of Haman's face. Down his feet. He has to go now and parade Mordecai. I just wonder what Mordecai thought. What is this dude doing? I wonder what all the gatekeepers, man. They watch this goes by. God will always fight the battle and give you the victory. Quit listening to that lying devil. God always give you the victory. If you'll just stay true to him. And stay humble. And let him fight it. God will work it out. It's his, not mine anyway. It's his name. It's his spirit. It's his truth. It's his inheritance. He just allowed us to be a part of it. Let's let him be God. Let's let him work in our lives. We can stand. I know I'm past my time. Hopefully something's been said today. and uh, well, Let me get to the point I want to make there about all that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to hurry. What's this? Because, because we're living in a generation. We're living in a time. Amen. That, you know, with fast food and computers and all that. You know, we, everything just, you know. And sometimes we want to treat God the same way. And sometimes we'll tell him, oh, God, if you don't show up at my 6 a.m. in the morning, I'm going to go do this. You might as well just pack up your bags and start doing it. You're not going to intimidate God like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, but, but what do you see? That second man, what, and then it was all set up. Why? Don't, don't fret and get all upset with a delay. You hear me? God's working it out. <laughs> God's put it all in motion, put it all there. He's the one that knows all the pieces of the puzzle. I don't, you don't, we're not God. We don't know the ending from the beginning, but he does. That includes our own personal lives, ladies and gentlemen. He knows. He didn't miss a thing. He knows. And I've never read of a good author that let his sweethearts fall to the wayside. They always come out victorious. <laughs> I'll leave you with this. Lewis Lamar heroes, they could fall off of mountains, be run over by horses, shot ten times. But there'd always be a pretty little lady that would come and nurse him back to life. And he'd go and whip the enemy. That's the same way with Jesus Christ. You may get beat up. You may get knocked down. You may get slandered. You may get rejected. You may get a lot of things. But if you'll just hold on, Jesus Christ is going to send a preacher. Jesus Christ is going to send an individual. Jesus Christ is going to lead you to a church. Jesus Christ is going to lead you. And if you'll hold on, I'm here to tell you, he'll bring you up. He'll heal your body. He'll heal your mind. He'll heal your spirit. He'll give you victory. He'll give you revival. He'll give 
give you the desires of your heart, but you just got to hold on and wait on the delays. If you wait on the delays, I promise you, it's going to be worth the cost. It's going to be worth the cost. The benefits are going to far outweigh the cost. Praise God. Let's believe God. Let's believe his word. Let's believe his promises. Let's hold on to him. Let's let him be God. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. Come back tonight. I'm expecting a great move of God. What about it? Let's come in this house expecting an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The divine touch of the Lord. That's what we're gathering here for. We love you this morning. Appreciate you. God bless you. You just be dismissed in the fear of the Lord. God bless you.